You're listening to a podcast from 702. In the meantime, of course, after the long darkness of President Mugabe's presidency, Zimbabwe is waking up to a world that has in many respects left it behind. You only have to look at the pomp and ceremony around its key institutions. Did you see they've still got that presidential sash? And of course, uh, something even more absurd, I think, is the paraphernalia of the judiciary in that country. But I suppose the more crucial question is how will Zimbabwe come back from being a basket case to being once again, Africa's bread basket. There is this narrative that suggests that Mugabe began his rule with something of a golden age and then overstayed his welcome and brought the country to eventual near ruin. But what if things were never, in fact, that rosy to begin with? What if Zimbabwe was never Africa's bread basket? Joining us on the line is agro, agri-economist Wandile Sihlobo, who contends, in fact, that it was never Africa's bread basket. Wandila, good afternoon to you and thank you for your time. Uh, good afternoon, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. You say you've got data going back to the 1960s that paints a very different picture from the view that Zimbabwe was once Africa's bread basket. Yeah, I mean, look, Bongani, they were, Zimbabwe was doing fairly well before uh, the land reform of the early 2000s. So I think the, the view to say they were a breadbasket, I think we are pushing it a little bit far. Because, I mean, if you look at Africa, take, for example, maize. Uh, this is the continent which produces close to 70 million tons of maize. Yeah. And Zimbabwe has never produced more than 4 million when you're looking at the data from 1960. So you can't take four out of 70 and you call that a basket or a big anchor. So it never even got to 10%. No, they didn't even get to that. I think that what people maybe derive that view on is the fact that they were self-sufficient and they had a little bit of exports that they were putting out, about half a million tons or so a year. So that seemed as if, uh, judging from their neighboring countries, they were really a basket, but really on a bigger scheme of things, even if you take SADC, they were not really a bread basket of SADC, but they were a contributor. At its peak, what were production levels? How high were they? No, I mean, look, if you look at its peak on maize, for example, the peak was just around about uh, 1983 or so. And the highest level there was just around about 3.1 million tons of maize. And on the wheat side, uh, there Zimbabwe has never really done that much. Uh, they've never produced, uh, looking at that data, more than half a million tons of wheat. And as a continent, we're producing wheat of around about uh, 21, 25 million tons of maize, ranging on that, on that on those levels. So I think the whole narrative of a breadbasket, we, we really really pushing it a little bit far. But obviously, there are certain crops that Zimbabwe was exceptional on. You look at the tobacco side and stuff, they were really doing well. But I think the key important point around all of this narrative is to say, is to show that Zimbabwe was actually self-sufficient for a long period of time, up until that 2000 point where we started now to see that uh, production was actually outpaced by yep. consumption and there was that huge drop. I mean, when did it all come apart, Wandile? Is it all down to Mugabe's land reform program or were the other factors also at play? No, I think uh, it's largely Mugabe's land reform program. When you pull up a chart, you really look at the edit. Uh, the downturn really came in in 2001 
over the years, they had some uh, downtime of volatility year and year, and that was really more of the climatic conditions and stuff. But I think uh, the 2000 and, uh, uh, the 2000 land reform program was really the breaking point because that's where you actually saw the collapse uh, in many commodities. As we look today, for example, on the wheat uh, contribution of Zimbabwe, it's less than 1% of what they contribute to the continent as a share, while at least uh, back in the day, they were doing something which is around about 2 percentage points or so. And on the May side as well, they were contributing just below uh, around about 7% or so to what the continent was producing. But if you look at it today, it's around about 2 percentage points. And all of that decline really started in 2001. So the Mugabe effect is really strong in there. But he had a good run for some period. Now, it's, I mean, sometimes it's all very confusing, and you're the agri-economist in this conversation here, Wandila. I remember reading research a few years ago uh, that suggested that, in fact, there had been some gains, particularly for the black farmers, that that land reform program had sought to empower. What is the situation? Did it work or did it fail abjectly? No, I mean, look, there could be some gains when one is looking at the, at the micro level, certain communities and certain communities. But if you had to look at the production or the outputs of Zimbabwe collectively as a country, uh, it has actually regressed. There hasn't been any improvement uh, since uh, the year 2000, if you look at it in that picture. But obviously, if you narrow it down to say, okay, uh, looking on a race basis, are we seeing an increased number of black farmers? Sure, we are seeing an increased number of black farmers. But are the volumes coming up to the levels where they used to be about 20 years ago, not yet there. So can it ever recover? Can Zimbabwe's agricultural sector ever get back to its former glory, even if that wasn't as rosy as some people want to remember it has? No, I think they, they, they have a good chance to get in there. Because remember, the issue is not that it's now black farmers that are producing that actually became a problem. It was the fact that there was not much investment, there was not much skill that was actually going in there. The property rights issue was not really as intense as that. So if the property rights story can really be, you know, we make sure that people, they, they, they have their private ownership of the land, we do see a bit of investment and there's improved land management. Uh, so, so the guys that are actually having the land at the moment, they can improve. Uh, it's not so much about them not being able to farm, but it's also just the environment. They had no resources to make that land to actually be able to be productive. So we're looking at Zimbabwe, for example, on our side with a hopeful eye and thinking that maybe they, 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 they will be better over the years. All right, Wandile Sitlobo there on the line from Pretoria, agri-economist, saying that he's got data to prove that Zimbabwe was never, in fact, Africa's bread basket. They could uh, take care of their own needs. Uh, they were not a, 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 an importer. They had a bit of a surplus, but they were never really anywhere near the levels that some people with some nostalgia tend to think of uh, in terms of its peak production levels in the early 80s. So there you have it.